We have a special treat for you today. We are doing a playlist about our favorite drinking moments in opera. I bet you didn't know there's actually quite a few. We've got a playlist of 10 songs that we're going to talk about today, but I found an additional 15 songs that you will get to enjoy on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. If you like the content that we're putting out and you'd love to see more, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well as share it with all your friends. This is a perfect time for us to post this with all the holidays coming up because not only is there a lot of drinking that happens typically, but also this is a great way to avoid really awkward conversations with your family about political or religious or whatever. When they start going down that road, you say like, hey, I heard about this really cool thing in opera. It's this drinking song and you can divert the conversation into something that might be a little bit more fruitful than raging with your family member who believes the opposite of you yes it's our gift to you (laughs) Mm -hmm. your free get out of political jail card (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we can start this list in any other way than with the famous la traviata brindisi libiamo I'm going to tell a little bit of the backstory of La Traviata first, and then we will listen to this wonderful duet. So La Traviata was written by Verdi in 1853. It's also known as The Fallen Woman. La Traviata tells the story of the tragic love between the courtesan Violetta and uh, her romantic interest, Alfredo. The entire thing, the entire opera kind of plays on the hypocrisy of the upper class and fashionable society. In this scene specifically, Violetta um, is throwing a lavish party at her Paris salon to, re- to celebrate her recovery from an illness. And I, I just have to asterisk that because she's still sick. Yeah. Her friend Gaston has brought a friend, one of his friends, Alfredo, a young bourgeoisie, to the party. And Alfredo has long admired her. And Gaston tells Violetta this and that he came to her house every day while she was ill. Uh, Alfredo admits his feelings for uh, Violetta to her. Now, this is kind of awkward (laughs) because Violetta (laughs) has a current lover, uh, the Baron uh, Dufal, who is waiting to escort her into the actual party. And once there, he, the Baron, is asked to give a toast but refuses And the crowd turns to Alfredo and he agrees to actually sing a song as a toast, which is this Brindisi. I'm just going to give you a couple of the the lines in this. I'm not going to translate the whole thing. Some key things. The first line he says is Libiamo nel lieti calici, which means let's drink from this joyous chalice. And another thing he says is Libiamo amor fra i calici più caldi baci avrà. And that means let's drink to love, to wine, and the warmth of our kisses. And then later on, everybody in the party joins in and says, 
godiam la tazza e il cantico la notte a bello, il riso in questo paradiso ne scopra il nuovo di, which means... Let's enjoy the cup of wine and singing and the beautiful night and laughter. In this paradise, we will discover a new day. So this is just all around an incredibly joyous fun scene. Now, when it comes to the music, it just has a great, very memorable melody. Even if you've only seen it once, you will probably know it and hum it. It's just so catchy. It's in a waltz meter. It's light and bouncy. The melody features turns and grace notes, which add an extra layer of joy. And even mm-hmm. the turns in particular, da, 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 memic laughter. And then that's juxtaposed against the portamenti that uh, Violetta and Alfredo do, which give this air of romance. And on top of that portamenti giving this romance, the violins accent particular words. You'll hear it when each of them is doing their solo lines and in the first one with Alfredo it's fremiti and core the violins go bada, bada. and then with Violetta it's rapido and muore and that underpins their desire for each other. Another touch of glory in this scene is the use of symbols which you don't actually have that much in opera up to this time unless it's like this big celebratory scene. So I think that just really puts the cherry on top. Totally. And this is just really the beginning of a great scene between Alfredo and Violetta, their duet that comes after this. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the my favorite parts of the opera. And again, if you were to watch more of the show it's very melodic just like this one is their duet it gets quoted more in the show so it's that whole idea of reprising melodic ideas and bringing you back to moments um and here's a thing that some of you might notice as you listen to this it's almost as if you hear this thing really regularly if you listen to our podcast because maybe Mm -hmm. Just maybe we clipped a little snippet from it for our intro music. And actually, the outro music is from later in the opera. It's uh, Violetta's aria, the beginning of Adio Bel Passato, uh, the little interlude before she starts singing. So it's a little behind-the-scenes stuff there. This is one of the big ones that everybody sings. And whenever you go to a an opera-themed party and they're like, Hey, can you sing us a drinking song? 99.9% of the time, this is what we sing. Yep. Absolutely. This excerpt comes from a 2019 production of La Traviata at the Opera Nationale de Paris. Violetta is sung by Pretty Andy. Alfredo is sung by Benjamin Bernheim. And the orchestra and chorus are conducted by Michel Mariotti. <laughs> The second one in our list. I don't know that it's as well known, but it's obviously a favorite of Mm -hmm. mine because we're going to use my recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The second one is Il Segreto per Essere Felici from Lucrezia Borgia by Donizetti. This was composed in 1833. 
And yes, it does tell the story of Lucrezia Borgia and her infamous amount of murder. She was known to go to whatever lengths to hold on to power while she was alive. The story really centers around Lucrezia and Gennaro, who's the tenor, of course. There's this, it's weird because like Gennaro like has feelings for Lucrezia, but Lucrezia turns out to be his mom. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's an Ako taco. <laughs> This aria comes very close to the end of the opera, and um, they've all gone to a party at Lucrezia's palace, and Gennaro was warned not to go to this party. But Orsini, his best friend, mm. is like, oh, come on, like, what are you worried about? Nothing's Just enjoy life. If you're always worrying about, like, what's going to happen, you'll never have any fun. Generally, his character. Mm-hmm. He is... At this party, he's challenged to write a song on the spot, which he's been known to do before. This is this is like his party trick. Mm-hmm. True to his character, the words of the party or of the of the poem are the secret to happiness is not to overthink things and just enjoy the here and now. So he leads mm-hmm. the party in this drinking song. The song is interrupted by an ominous voice outside. And Orsini, oh, it's probably just a practical joke that some girls are playing on us. And then he continues with the song. Afterwards, you know, they've all been drinking wine and uh-oh, it was poison. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and Lucrezia comes in and she's like, ha, 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 you drank poisonous wine. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dies. Plot yeah. twist. <laughs> she tries to get Gennaro to take a uh, an antidote that she has. And he's like, no, man. I'm going to die with all my friends. But more about the specific music of this, it is also in a dance meter. You'll find that a lot of drinking songs are in dance meters, uh, you know, because they kind of evoke that joyful nature to them. Also features turn ornaments like the Libiamo and Portamenti. But the Portamenti in this song is more about laughter because Orsini is referencing people who are thinking about the future and stuff and how he like ridicules them and such. Uh, I hope you enjoy this recording. It was made with Puget Sound Concert Opera in 2018. They take arrangements and slim them down for a smaller chamber-like orchestra. I think we had piano, flute, cello, and violin. Nice. I, Contralto Rachel Moss, will be singing Il Segreto Perese Felice, accompanied by John Burkhart on the piano and Jenna Calixto on flute. Let's move on to our next one, which comes from Floto's opera, Marta. And this show follows a similar pattern in opera where people are not who they say they are. It revolves around Lady Harriet, the soprano, I know, shocker. She and her servant, Nancy, they disguise themselves because Lady Harriet is a a maid to Queen Anne. 
And they they want to go out and be with the people, essentially, instead of do this whole royalty thing. And so the two of them go out, they're disguised, they have different names and all this stuff, and they they end up meeting Lionel and Plumkett. Okay, so they start falling in love with each other. Later on in the show, Lord Tristan figures out that who they actually are and tries to call him out on it, but they eventually escape. And we get to the beginning of the third act, which is where this aria comes in. And Plumkett is out hunting with the guys. And he has a very simple question for them. He says, so tell me this, fellas. Why are all the men in Britain strong and ready for battle? And he basically is like, it's a simple answer. It's porter beer. I don't know how scientifically sound that is. I don't think that the British are enhanced solely by porter beer, and that's what they live off of. I mean, I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's a fortifying beverage. Yeah, it, it's pretty hearty and like. And so he he talks about uh, how the English hops and the malt and the brownness of the ale and all that they are the salt and spices of life and. Hurrah! tra la 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 You know, he gets progressively a little bit, the way I sing it, um, I get a little bit more and more drunk as I, I sing it. Because I, I envision it as him having a few. They're sitting around and saying, You know what, guys? This is why we're strong, okay? Like, just, just listen. Like, he's already kind of there, and then it's hitting him harder. So, there's some musical things that I really love about this. It's very simple. Again, it's... In three, which is what waltzes are, it's not a waltz, but it's in three or six, eight, depending on how you want to look at it. And it's a pretty simple melody, but it's got, it's actually really rangy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost two octaves, which men don't usually have a lot of stuff like that. That must be nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Although when I do it, I, I make it two octaves because I like on the second time when he has the high note, I extend it. But excellent. And then the, the, the men that are on there with him, they support him in, at the end. They're like, hoorah, 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 der de beer and all this stuff. They're all chugging along with them. So. Yes, and that is the part of the aria that we will be using mm-hmm. for the excerpt. Yep. From the 1996 Cologne Radio Orchestra recording, we will hear Lass mich euch fragen, sung by Franz Halvalata and the Cologne Radio Chorus. Hurra, die Pumpen, hurra, die Pfalz, sie sind des Lebens wird zum Zeit. Hurra! Next is Akel from La Pericole, which of course is from Offenbach. And I just want to tell a really quick story uh, about this show. I actually was in this show in 20... What was it? 2017? Yeah, I think so. Tacoma Opera. (laughs) This was a total train wreck for me, personally. Not only was it a company debut, like train wreck for the rehearsal process, and you'll understand why. So... I ended up getting walking pneumonia. Oh my god. During the rehearsal process. I'm like trying to not get other people sick. I'm also trying to rehearse. I'm trying to make a good impression. Probably not doing very well since they haven't hired me since. Um, oh, I wouldn't. 
but that that's why there i remember there was one moment where i was there's this trio between um me and these two other guys in the show and i literally was so like i was aware that i was in a building and i knew that words were coming out of my mouth my body was like just doing whatever i had no control mm. over it it was just like moving it was it's a really weird experience, which is to say, take care of yourself. Don't go to rehearsal like that because <laughs> uh, it's not fun. Now, back to Akel Dine, which this is one of my favorite uh, moments in the show. So, so good. Paracol and Piquillo are these poor street singers in Lima, Peru, and they're trying to get married and they don't have enough money for the marriage license, and they're complaining to each other. They're kind of sick of each other. But right before this, they, they get their, their shit together, and they sing for the, the crowd these songs about love, right? Making it appear as if they are in love, even though really they're going to fight later. And after that's done, Piquillo leaves because he's like, look, I can find greener pastures other places, all right? And Paracol stops and lets him go. And then she goes to sleep, you know, and she's starving, right? Because they're poor. And in the process of this, the Viceroy comes on and actually he, he was charmed by her singing. He wakes her up and he's like, hey, do you want to be one of my ladies in waiting? And instead of like a modern woman being like, ladies, like more than one. Uh, no, I'm not on your list. <laughs> um, she was just enthralled by that. And it's like, yeah, I'll be one of your ladies in waiting. And so, but I, here's the thing. Like, I got this, like, situation here. It's like a boyfriend. He's like, oh, we'll just write her a letter. So she writes him a lovely breakup letter. Wow. Um, and then sends it to him. And then goes with the Viceroy to dine with him and the other ladies in wait. Well, you see where this is going. She gets incredibly lit. Yeah. And as one does when you're sucker punched with wine, you start talking, in her case, sing, about how she <laughs> she knows she's tipsy, but hey, don't tell anybody I'm tipsy. Just shh, shh. Obviously, everybody knows that she's drunk off her ass yeah. and sputtering everywhere. And so uh, it's really, really funny. And I love the, uh, the version that we have to play for you. This is Alina Garansha who is one of my favorite mezzos, especially in stuff like yeah. this. And I love that it's like a lounge singer setting. Honestly, it's perfect. She she's, mm. she embodies the character of the piece so well. I'm glad that you picked this particular rendition. Everybody's going to enjoy it. And she even, she so. even shushes the pianist, what I just said. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a 2016 recording with Art Lounge, here is Alina Garancha singing Al Cadine from Offenbach's Pericol. Oh, ah, shh. 
Next up, we have some Mozart. Yeah, Herr Mozart. Our next item on the playlist is Vivat Barcus, a duet between Osmin and Pedrillo from the Entführung aus dem Seral. And this is another one of his Singspiel operas. It was written in 1782. Um, it also falls into that exotic style that was kind of becoming popular at this time, setting operas in foreign lands and all of that. So this is set in Turkey and uh, some of the main characters, Pasha Selim has bought three European slaves that were taken prisoner by pirates. And that's Constance, a young Spanish lady, Blanchian, an English maid, and Pedrillo, who is a servant of Constance fiance Belmonte. Belmonte has traced these three to the Pasha's seaside palace where Constance has become one of his new favorite concubines basically. The Pasha has made Pedrillo his gardener and has given Blanchin to Osmin the palace overseer. Well Pedrillo has like devised this whole plan to escape and part of this escape plan is that he invites Osmin to drink with him to try and get him drunk so he'll fall asleep. And Osmin, being of the faith of Islam, doesn't want to drink, but nonetheless, Pedrillo invites him and gets him to drink. And uh, this song is about the celebration of this, the wine that they're drinking. Obviously, it mentions Bacchus, who was a Roman god of agriculture, wine, and fertility. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of very unique thing about this is that it's very Baroque in nature. I really hear Handel. Like, if you just heard this piece by itself, you you wouldn't necessarily think it was Mozart. And I, that has to do with the very fast tempo, the use of a lot of melismas, and particularly the trumpets really uh, evoke that Baroque sound out of this so it's an incredible duet that's just super fun and i think you're really going to enjoy the singers that you'll hear difference between pedrillo being a very light lyric uh tenor and the osmin is this big buffo bit yeah he it's like one of the buffoest i would (laughs) say sounding roles if that's a term yeah if not i just made it up um you know because when you in his Aria. He goes down and he has to hold out like a low, low D, I think it is. And uh, you really got to have some oomph, which means if you have some oomph down there, it's just often helps with the whole character. Absolutely. From the 2008 production of Die Entführung aus dem Zeral in Amsterdam, we will hear Kurt Reidel as Osmin and Michael Smallwood as Pedrillo in Vivat Bacchus. By Mozart. All right. So next we have one of my favorite chorus shows I've ever been in, and this is Countery. Countery is Rossini. It's one of his comedic pieces, of course. He was mostly known for Barber of Seville, but this is another one that is just a riot when it's done right. And this comes from later in the show, and Countery's men are dressed as quote-unquote pilgrims, and when when I did this with Seattle Opera, oh, this is like 2016, I think. Like we we were more like nuns 
not pilgrims. That's the same thing in the version that we're using, too. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, like, we had all kinds of guys with the fake body stuff and all that. Uh, So it was a lot of fun. They're there at the convent, and they're only drinking milk because of their lack of wine. Well... Rambo comes on, and that's not like Sylvester Stallone. Like, that's actually his name, Rambo. <laughs> it's not spelled like like the movie. And he comes on, and he starts talking to all the guys in Countery uh, about his adventures in breaking into the castle wine cellar to get enough wine for everybody, which it's a pretty big chorus. So that's a lot of wine, obviously. And... Obviously, once it gets broken out, a ruckus party happens, and they're just encouraging each other to keep drinking. Or bouvant, bouvant, bouvant. And so they're getting really shwasted. Ragonda comes on, who is Countess Adele's servant. And so they're like, oh no, Ragonda's here. And so they go from this party to then acting like they're praying. And at first... When the the quartet starts uh, singing, because it's not the whole uh, chorus that sings it, it's just, if I remember correctly, it's Rambo, the tutor, Ori, and then I, I forgot his, his servant's name, but they're they're singing it. And at first, it, it sounds pretty normal, but by the end, you can they usually give it a little bit of like, you know, being just under the pitch or sliding more, because they're obviously drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day... Rogonda doesn't suspect anything because she thinks that they're all nuns and they're just praying and it's all good to go. And so she leaves and then the party continues. You know, although it's in French and Rossini uses elements of French music throughout this piece, it still has that wonderful uh, expectation that you have if you if you are someone who listens to a lot of Rossini that the ensemble pieces are going to be just out of this world amazing like the layers that mm-hmm. he adds yeah another composer that was really great at writing catchy tunes right because i think i've only oh, totally. listened to this i saw the production and then i've listened to it a couple other times and you know i can hear i can hear the melody in my head yeah it's really catchy from the 2018-19 production of Le Comte Ori from Opera Royale de Valonie and Opera Royale Chateau de Versailles Spectale, we will hear Bouvant, Bouvant by Rossini. Bouvant. have another aria coming up the next one is going to be from deflator mouse by johannes strauss second not to be confused with ricard strauss Mm -hmm. very different composers this was composed in 1874 and we are going to take a listen to chacun à son goût which is orlovsky's aria deflator mouse is a comic opera about a practical joke that Falka and Adele play on their friend Einstein. And obviously it has to do with a flater mouse, which is a bat. This scene in particular, Orlovsky is hosting a party and he's known to be rather eccentric and extravagant. And he is very explicit that the people at his party should never be boring and should keep up with his drinking or he will kick them out or even uh, a little bit more violently hit them over the head with a bottle. And if you need more clues that 
Orlovsky has a drinking problem, you need to look no further than that last <laughs> statement you just said. <laughs> he is a restaurant, loves his vodka. Yep, there you go. And he does say that. And he also, not really implies, I mean, he just says it, that his guests can enjoy themselves in any way they like. We are in the time of carnival in this opera. So he's talking about sexy things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Musically, this piece is in another dance style. Aren't we surprised? It is not a waltz, though. It is what's called a gallop dance which was a folk dance that was the forerunner to the polka, which was very, very, very hip at this time in Vienna, which is where they are. In this aria, there are these these sections where Orlovsky does these ornamenti up. Ich lade gern mir Gäste ein, erlebt bei mir lift fine. I always imagine it's, you know, he's a little drunk and he's hiccuping right Mm -hmm. and the version we have for you is just phenomenal this mezzo her name is Milena Ernman and she's just fantastic in this role not only does she nail the characterization of like how arrogant and over the top Orlovsky is her accent is also this great Austrian Russian mix it's just so beautiful I love it. Actually, in the second verse, she does some ornaments that I really love, too, that I think give this aria a whole new flavor to me in particular. I'd never heard anybody ornament the second verse, and now I'm all about it. I think it's amazing. I hope you enjoy. We also have another selection in our playlist from Deflator Mouse. All around, it's a great opera. Totally. From the 2003 Glenbourne Festival Opera production of Deflator Mouse, we will hear Chacon à son goût, sung by Milena Ehrenmann as Count Orlovsky. <laughs> So next we have an aria from a well-known composer, but a very obscure show. And this comes from Charles Gounod, and this is Le Médecin Malgré, lui, so the doctor in spite of himself. And this show is very, very interesting, and this happens towards the beginning of it. Zgagnarel is a, check this out, gluttonous, alcoholic, (laughs) lumberjack. So to say... (laughs) He's a hot mess is kind of an understatement. And so the problem with him is that he makes everyone miserable because not only is he all of those things, he doesn't make very much money. And when he does, he spends it on food and alcohol. I mean, like more than he should. The important things in life. (laughs) Of course. At the beginning of the show, we see him arguing with his wife, Martina, and he ends up beating her, actually, a little bit. And so she leaves to plot her revenge. And and he gets off stage, and uh, while she's out, she runs into a couple who are talking about not being able to afford treatment for their daughter's illness. And because Martina, I should say, is quick on her feet... 
she convinces them that Zgarnarel is an amazing doctor, which of course, as we all know, he is not. But she says this, but in order for Zgarnarel to admit that he is a doctor, they have to, and this is so demonic, but it's brilliant at the same time. They have to beat him up in order for him to admit that he's this doctor and ultimately care for her for their daughter. In case you needed any further proof that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, well there you go. She just really goes for it. Meanwhile, Zgonorel, once that thing happens, he comes back on stage and he is getting all drunk as his usual schedule mm-hmm. is. And he comes out and he's talking about his love for not only wine, but the bottles of wine that he has. And he says that they're so sweet. And, and then he goes, when he does this little revolving thing, he's talking about the sweetness of it. And then when it switches into like the B section of each verse, he goes into his disdain for marriages and, and all this stuff. And so the one thing I really love melodically and musically about this is that Guno does a really great job of the bubbliness yeah. of the drinking. Not just the, like, bubbles, like, in champagne or whatever. He literally has Gunnarell go glue, 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 like he's chugging. <laughs> right? Yeah. You'll, you'll notice that in the clip, it's actually me. This is from when I did a, a program in France a few years ago. And what's cool about this performance, for me at least, this was in some church in the middle of the French countryside that was built in like 1200, number one. But number two, I, I, whenever I would do this, I did have like empty wine bottles or whatever that I would use as props, but we didn't have any left over at our place that we were staying. So I had to like actually buy wine for this what a shame. Thing. I know. It, it was rough, rough. The very tail end, because I would hide the bottles, right, to find them. The tail end is this small bottle that I had in my pocket <laughs> that has actual wine in it. Uh, it's a little behind the scene stuff there. It's a fun one. And it's not done very often, but it's... It- I'm glad that you chose to showcase this aria. I think it sounds great. And really, really kind of a, a gem of a, an aria. Next up, we will hear... Michael Heitman, our co-host here on Opera Unbound, sing Kiosondu from Le Médecin Malgré Lui by Gounod. infamous Elisir duet between Nemorino and Adina. In this moment, Nemorino has, well, at the very beginning of the duet, it's mostly him. And he finally gets the love potion from Dual Kamara, and he starts to drink it, 
<laughs> and he feels it kicking in, and it kicks in real quick to the point where he's like already la 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 going in his own world singing. And then he sees um, Adina, and he's like, oh, no, I, ca- I can't. It's Adina. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yes, I can, because I have the elixir. And so now she's going to go for me. And he's he's convinced that he'll be able to get her because of the elixir. Meanwhile, at this point, Adina actually is more annoyed with yep. him than anything else. But sometimes we fall in love with people who annoy the shit out of us. <laughs> That does happen from time to time. So maybe this is the beginning of it. I don't know. Maybe you should come to our production of Elixir when it happens. Yes. uh, To see the end of the show. Just a little bit about how things are going with our Elixir production. So we are currently at 25% funded. Mike and I are going to do a live stream on New Year's Eve, December 31st at 7 p.m. Mark your calendars. We're going to do that live stream on YouTube and what mm-hmm. we are doing is we are taking arias and a couple duets and we are putting them with guitar. Both Mike and I play guitar, so we're going to play while singing and it's going to be a great way for you to enjoy your early evening on New Year's before the ball drops. And our goal during this live stream is to raise $2500. We have a couple of matching pledges for this event, uh, if you're one of our listeners and you aren't one of our patrons, you know, you can always consider becoming one of our patrons to help support this podcast and this production. Or you can just donate directly to us for enjoying the live stream and putting money towards our Elixir production. That's my plug. <laughs> and just so people know, like it'll be, like she said, traditional arias and duets and stuff like that. But both Rachel and I wanted to make it fun and do some non-traditional arrangements yep. of the opera arias it, it's not just gonna you know if you're one of those people like oh well it's just with guitar okay sure that sounds cool there's gonna be some really cool stuff in there uh, and i'm not just saying that because obviously i have a vested interest to say that there legitimately is some really cool arrangements that we've put together and uh, i'm looking forward to it and i think everybody will enjoy it from the 1991 Metropolitan Opera production of Les Yeux d'Amore by Donizetti, we will hear Luciano Pavarotti and Kathleen Battle sing a selection from Caro Elisir. <laughs> think we could round out this list in any other way than to end it with beers no doubt a gift from heaven from the bartered bride by smetna yes (laughs) (laughs) yes the bartered bride is a comic opera in four acts 
and uses common tropes such as mistaken identity, misunderstood motives, and to reach an ending where love really does conquer all. The story centers around a, a love story being endured by Marenka and Yenik in a small village. This particular piece that we're talking about happens at the beginning of Act 2. The men are uh, in a tavern and Yenik and Kegel are arguing the merits of love and money over beer. This piece is just, I don't know, it's, I love it on so many levels. Yeah, beer is pretty awesome, one. (laughs) (laughs) But this opera, I, I actually haven't seen this opera in its entirety and I'm really motivated to after hearing this piece because Smetna just the way that he uses folk melodies and dance music from what is now the Czech Republic weaves it into every piece in this opera and this piece in particular also features these rich choral harmonies that you hear a lot in Slavic music. This is only a men's chorus plus the the main characters. Oh my gosh, I get goosebumps even listening to it on on YouTube, which I I don't often get goosebumps unless it's live singing. It's just um, I wanted to read the whole translation of this one because it's in Czech, so you're probably not going to get any of the words. <laughs> So it says, beer's no doubt a gift from heaven. It chases away worries and troubles and imports strength and courage to men. Without beer, we should cut a poor figure. There's so much trouble in the world that foolish is he who cares too much. They're toast to beer and toast to mm-hmm. you enjoying the holidays with our lovely playlist. From the 2019 production of The Bartered Bride by Smetana with... Garingston Opera, we will hear Brendan Gunnell as Yenik and Joshua Bloom as Kekal, with the chorus and orchestra conducted by Jacques Van Steen. Here is Beer is a Gift from God. <laughs> to these 10 songs, 10 pieces, we have 15 others. We've got uh, the Brindisi from Verdi's Macbeth. We have chorus from uh, Faust by Gounod, the Vin or Ire, the Champagne finale from Flatermouse. And I did find a couple English ones, a piece from the student prince called Drink, Drink, Drink. There is an excerpt from The Sorcerer by Gilbert and Sullivan. And from one of the first English operas, Fill Every Cup from The Beggar's Opera by John Gay. Some amazing pieces for you to listen to while you enjoy your meal and drinks. Mm -hmm. And distract yourself from the other terrible things that may be going on in the world or maybe even in your own life. 
you know absolutely music's a great outlet to to put your mind on a shelf for a little bit these will definitely be a good way to do that thanks for listening to this podcast episode for more information about the podcast or for extras check out our patreon page www.patreon.com slash opera unbound ciao